Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally, and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. So my message this morning is ready and set to go. And uh, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were, all re- were, who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we just declare in this house that your word is life, your word is truth, your word is directional, your word is correctional, your word is all embracing, it's navigating us into all the fullness of all you have for each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray, Father, that as I bring this word today, Lord God, it would not be my words that are heard, but that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome in this place this morning, that you would, Lord, touch every heart in this place and minister to every person right at their point of need this morning, right in their inquiring minds this morning, Lord God. And Father, minister your word so that it would produce incredible fruit in their lives, Lord God. Lord, I ask that you would make my tongue as the pen of a skillful writer to portray the message that you want me to bring this morning. And I give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honour because, Lord, it's all about you, in you, with you, through you, by you, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. <clears throat> so this is, um, this is an end time message. And uh, I want to bring this this morning and give credit to my husband, my late husband, who's already um, arrived home with with the father. My husband was an incredible end time uh, exposer uh, of, of what was happening in the world at the time. And that was the very thing that got him into the kingdom of God. And... Um, and I always used to look at him and think, oh, man, your mind, it's incredible. But he would always speak uh, the truth as he, as he had it revealed to him through God and through his word. So the scripture today <clears throat> is talking about the bride being ready. Christ is the bridegroom and we, the church, are the bride. There's a, there's a real trend in the church today throughout the body of Christ to not touch on three things. One is sin. 
One is the rapture of the church and the other is the second coming of Christ. And um, the rapture and second coming of Christ are two separate events and I don't want to get into all of the theology of it today but I just want to, to bring what God has shown me through this message. So because there's been um, a, a trend to not talk about these things, um, it's been given a name and it's called prophecy derangement syndrome which is a loathing or a mocking um, about any teaching of end times, eschatology as we know it, from within the church. But, you know, over one third of the Bible is prophetic. It's, it's, it's prophecy. So why wouldn't we teach it? And we need to be aware of the times that we're living in. And we need to be so that we can be the watchman on the wall to tell the people of the world the hope that we have, the fact that we have Jesus as Saviour and as Lord and that he is the one, he is our glorious hope. And the, the rapture of the church is the glorious hope. And so this is an amazing thing that... Um, that we need to really dive into more. So today I'm going to touch on it very, very briefly, but also the relevance of what this means for us today. <clears throat> the, these things should never bring fear into the church or into our lives, but it always should be propelling us forward into a knowledge of more, more of God, more of Christ, more of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can live the life that God has for us. So, so when we look at the parable, it's actually talking about the pre-tribulation rapture of believers of Christ. And when we look at it really closely, um, this scripture is actually written to the nation of Israel. And, um, and it's a time where they are living in the pre-tribulation, the tribulation period. So the, the rapture has occurred, the church has gone up and, and Jesus is speaking to the nation of Israel because the nation of Israel is still waiting for their Messiah. They still are today. There are many Messianic believers, but um, the, the, you know, as a whole, the nation of Israel is still waiting. So shall we get into it? Yeah. My little granddaughter, I had her one morning this week and um, she was in my lounge room and I've, I've had a bit of a bug this week. So uh, I was sitting with my cup of Earl Grey tea and watching her and she's two and a half and she backed up to my, my, wind, my window, my sliding door and put her leg up on the door and went, ready, set and I had to say go and she would run across the lounge room and back again and I thought, wow. Ready, set, go. That's what I need to preach on this week. Ready and set to go. But also, I wanted to show you, this is my sermon illustration this morning. Can everybody see that? That is a lamp. That is a lamp that is made of pottery. It has a wick, which comes out there. In that lamp, you fill it with oil and then you light it. And so... I'm going to get back to that in a little while, but most lamps like this, I actually got this in Israel at one of the, at Nazareth actually, and um, it was a great little picture of filling our lamps with oil so that we can be a light, we can shine the light of Jesus in the world that we're in. So anybody wants to have a look at that afterwards, come up and have a look. So it's purely a tourist one, there are many shapes and sizes, but it gives you a bit of an understanding of what it's about. So Matthew 25 starts with the very first word, then. 
So when is then? And it comes after Matthew 24 and we follow it back to verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And in Matthew 25, we're looking at the virgins and it's all about surviving through the tribulation period so what we know that it's referring to this time but I feel like even though it doesn't refer directly to us as born again believers it actually refers to it it's something that our takeaway should be are we ready are we set are our lamps filled with oil is our wick trimmed are we ready for whatever is going to happen because no one knows the day when the when God is going to come back again when Jesus is coming back again when he's going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives and there's going to be an earthquake and it will split through the valley through the Kidron Valley and we don't know when that time is when no one should set that time but we should live our lives like we're going to go tomorrow or today even but plan to live a very very long life plan to live and fulfill all of the things that God's put in our hearts to do it's an incredible thing we also know that in ancient times in Israel when a bride was betrothed to their groom they would go home and prepare but they never knew when the groom was going to come and so they would be preparing at home and getting the bride ready and then at midnight a shout would come and the bridegroom would come over the hill and they would run out to meet the bridegroom that gives me goosebumps talking about it's amazing they he would run they would run out to meet the bridegroom and off they would go to the marriage and it's like the marriage supper of the lamb the bride is coming we are getting ourselves ready for the the second coming of Christ and It's the rapture of the church where God is going to take us out first. But are we living a life full of all that God has for us? Are we living our life full of oil? Are we full of the Holy Spirit? Are we in the Word of God? Are we seeking God for direction daily? Are we ready? Are we ready? So when we understand all of that, we know that, What happens is if we've got our lamps full of oil, if we are full of all that God wants to put in us, we are ready for whenever he comes back. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. So we have five wise and five foolish The parable talks of a 50-50 breakdown, 50% wise, 50% foolish. That's pretty sobering when you think, you know, in a room of 100 people, 50 of those people are wise and 50 are not so wise, 50 are full of the oil and 50 are not full of the oil. But we also know that we have the grace of God in our lives. So we can be wise some days and foolish other days. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that, you know, looking back on, we wish we didn't. And yet the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, we know we are forgiven when we come to Jesus and say, Lord, we messed up, we blew it. And he washes us as white as snow. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And he sets us upon that rock and sets us on that place where we can be unshakable in him. 
And it's only through walking through those times where we've made mistakes and where we have been hurt or wounded or rejected that we can truly understand that this is the testimony that God gives us, that he has been faithful and seen us through all of these hard times that we've gone through. So when you think about it, 50-50, that's, that's pretty astounding, isn't it? But isn't that a motivator for us to be full of God, to be full of the oil of the Holy Spirit? And in the Bible, in the olden days, the oil was used to refresh the body and it was even used as a form of deodorant. So when you think about it and you take it into the natural realm now and you think about being full of the Spirit... And if it was used as a deodorant in those times, wouldn't the fragrance of the, the, the Holy Spirit in us, the oil, flow through into the life that we live and into our sphere of influence, into the people that we come in contact with? It was used in cooking. It was used as a preservative as well. And it was used for anointing, anointing and, and for medicinal purposes as well. And also it was used in funeral preparations for preparation of the body before it was put into the tomb as well. So when we look at the lamp, we know that it's a light, but all, not all lights are lamps. In the Bible, a lamp is usually a literal lamp and it's the dish of oil with the wick. Wick. Can you say wick after me? Wick. Well, good done. <laughs> and, and it's used to light up the place where you are. It's the source by which the lamp is fueled and lit. It's the oil. So we need to be full of the Holy Spirit to live the life that God has for us today and every day. Psalm 119, 105 says, God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. But what does the light of the world say? Jesus, he is the light of the world. John 8, 12, then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And by Jesus, we should see everything that happens in the world. It should be reflected through him. We should take in the things that are happening in the world, draw it into our innermost being and filter it through the light of the word the light which is a lamp to our feet and a light unto a path and what Jesus says about those things. Whatever is happening in your world, reflect it back to Jesus and let him show you, give you light and give you an illumination about what is happening so that you know the path that you should take. Now, if we're not full of the oil of the Holy Spirit and if we're not walking in the path that God has for us, we tend to do it independently. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, we all have times where we do it ourselves, like little toddlers and you go to help them and they pull away from you and say, I do it myself and sometimes I feel like that toddler as well, you know, in the past and as I've, I've been challenged with the things that God's wanting to do in me, I say, no, I can do this myself, Lord. I can do nothing except what God gives me to do. I can do nothing without him. No good thing, no thing can we do that is sustainable and building for eternity unless it's what God is doing in us and through us and giving us the strength to do it. 
We've got to reflect our world, our family, our loved ones, our community through the light of the Word of God and what God is showing us. When we see a situation that is really grievous to us, Lord, what do we do about this? Lord, show me your truth about this. Lord, show me what I should do. Show me what I shouldn't do. Show me what I should say, what I shouldn't say. Show me how to pray. Show me how to be vigilant and watching and waiting. Settle it in my spirit so that those things that I'm seeing happening in the world are not grieving my soul to the point of disabling me, but they are grieving my soul to the point that I can run to the Father and say, Lord, show me what to do. Show me what this is. Show me what my responsibility is. And then we can walk in the path that God has for us. Because if we're not reflecting it through the light of the world, through Jesus and through the light of his word, then we're not getting a total picture of what we need to know, what we need to understand. Matthew five sixteen, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let the light of God shine through you. Don't hide it under the bushel. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Who wants to sing? Anyone want the microphone this morning? <laughs> so which are we today? Are we wisdom or are we foolish? I'd say on given days we can be both. But you know what? As I said, God's grace is fabulous and it's sufficient And, you know, when we mess up, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We confess our sins to him and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He's amazing. He is amazing. We need God's wisdom, not man's wisdom, because the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. So the bridegroom was delayed and all slumbered and slept. Sometimes sleeping means that we are lost in the trials of life. Sometimes we're not aware that our midnight hour is actually coming because every day has a midnight. And the time that we're awake, you know, let us work while it's light because the night is coming when no man can work. Let us be about the Father's business. Let's make the main thing the main thing in in loving Jesus, loving our church, loving our family and loving the lost. Let's make the main thing the main thing because that's the reason Jesus came. For a lost and dying world, that we might know the grace and the mercy of God as he's reached down and pulled us out of that miry clay and he's washed us and cleansed us, he's forgiven our sins and he's filled us with us with his spirit and he's given us a purpose in life. But sometimes we can get tired and we just want to stop, we just want to settle and we just settle for less than God's best for us. See, we can begin in the spirit, but we can end in the flesh. And our profession of faith can become dim and maybe compromised if we're not continually running back to Jesus, running back to the word, running into prayer and allowing him to fill us again. Our idea on life, our thoughts can become compromised. And rather than black or white, right or wrong, yes or no, there can be so many shades of grey which filter into our systems and can confuse us and disappoint us. And 
We understand that as we walk this life with Christ, there are negotiables, but there are some things that are not negotiable with him. And sometimes we may feel like it's just not worth it and it's hard and it's painful. But think about what Jesus did for us. It was hard and it was painful. But he did it willingly and he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So if you're feeling tired and jaded, just look to Jesus. Remember what he's done for us. Remember the price that he paid and we get back up one more day, one more time and keep going and keep going. And we're allowed to get tired, don't get me wrong. We're allowed to get tired and we're allowed to have days where we're not feeling so great. But his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He brings us through those times of trial and he fills us with all we need. And there's times where we need to get on the mat and have a lay down. And there's times where we need to be out at the marketplace. So understand that time that you're in. And don't get weary with doing good because in due season you will reap a reward if you faint not. That's the promise of his word. You will. Sometimes we've lost that first love. Remember, I remember the passion that I had when I realised, when I received Jesus as Saviour and Lord, it was in my living room on the day that I'd planned my suicide. And I remember crying out to God, saying, God, if you're real, and God, if you're there, here I am, you might as well have me, take me. If you can do something with me, then here I am. And the instant download from heaven when the Son of God came and touched my head (laughs) and forgave my sins and filled me with his spirit and took me to a place where I understood it took me literally out into the kitchen to look out the kitchen window to see the cottonwood tree and the blue sky that was the bluest blue I'd ever seen and the greenest green I'd ever seen in that cotton tree and understand that, man, I've been given new eyes. I can see things for how they really are. From that moment, that was my first love. That was my first uh, touch from God and understanding that God loves each and every one of us so much, so much, that he sent his only son to die in our place. Amazing God, amazing God. And that's my testimony and I share it frequently and there's so much more. But I don't ever want to lose that first love. I only want it to grow deeper and deeper and stronger and stronger because God is ever, ever moving creator God and he has more for us. Every day he has more for us and some days may seem the same as the last but they're not because we're a day older and we're one day closer to the the bridegroom coming back and rapturing the church out and then one day closer to the second coming of Christ for all of those who have not received Jesus prior to the rapture it's amazing so we should never be tired of it we should never ever get to that place where it's just not worth it because it is it is if I can do it 
you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it because it's not I but Christ who lives in me. And when we say that, we say the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me in my place. And what that does is it exchanges our weakness for his strength. It exchanges our sense of half-empty cup for a cup that's overflowing, overflowing with the blessings of God. Praise God that we all woke up this morning because there's so many who didn't. There's so many who didn't. And where are they? Have they gone home to be with the Lord or are they in a Christless eternity? See, that's the onus that's on us. Be full of Jesus so that wherever we go, we're dropping little bits of lamp oil wherever we go lighting up the space where we are so that others will see and say, what's the hope you've got? What is this about you? And we can say, it's Jesus. The only difference between me and you is that I've received Jesus and he's waiting for you. I'm a believer. You're a not yet believer. There's only two types of people in the world. Keep a short account of your life. Keep a short account of your sin. Keep a short account of unforgiveness in your life. Release forgiveness to those who've hurt you. Release it so that it's not something that is holding you back from entering into all that God has for you. And it, it's also understanding that this life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Day by day by day as we move forward in him. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. We are the joy. Look at your neighbour and say, you're the joy. You are. Jeeves, you're the joy. You are. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, Be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Keep moving, keep doing it, keep serving God, keep loving him, keep loving each other and keep loving the lost. And if you don't love the lost, then ask God to give you a heart for the lost because it's a mission field. You are all, we are all ministers of reconciliation. Not just those who've got the title of pastor, every single one of us is a minister of reconciliation. Be fixed and focused and don't get sidetracked with those issues that in the light of eternity, they really don't matter. Choose your battles. You know, sometimes so much stuff can come against you and when you think about it, think, well, is this going to affect eternity? My eternity, and if it's not, let it go. But if it is, then you know that God has allowed something in your life so that you can deal with it. And it's to make you stronger. 
It's to make you to shine to a greater degree, knowing that in our strength we can't do it, but in his strength we can. Amen. At midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. So the wise ones were saying to the foolish ones, Go and get your own. Go and get your own. And they wouldn't give up the oil that they had because they knew that they needed to be full. But they also knew that there was a source that they could go to to get their own. So for us, who can perhaps call ourselves wise 50% of the time, when some come to us, we can point to the source of wisdom and life. Because if we're not full, they won't come to us to ask. But when they come to ask, to ask, we can point to Jesus Go to him. You see, we can't do it for someone else. I can't save anyone. You can't save anyone. You are only responsible for your own life. But what you can say is I can point you to Jesus. I can tell you that he is the forgiver of sins, that he has a life for you far beyond whatever you think your life is, that he can bring you to a place of healing, spirit, soul and body that he can fill you to overflowing with all you need. So we need to take responsibility for filling ourselves. Sunday morning's not enough. Sunday morning is a launch pad. We come in, we worship, we, we give of our tithes and our offerings, we do communion, we commemorate the finished work of the cross. Then we come about the word and then we're launched out into the week that is ahead of us. We're responsible for feeding ourselves every day of the week in the natural, but even more so in the spirit, buying for ourselves the oil. And will it cost us something? You bet. The gift of life is absolutely free, but it costs us in the area of our discipline, of our attitudes, of our mannerisms and our desire to serve after God and to seek after God. It will cost us because it will be a case of many days saying, all right, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I choose to lay down those things that are getting in the way of me being full of you and serving you and loving you and sharing you. So yes, there is a cost, but is there a reward? Absolutely. We get to do all of eternity with Jesus and we get to talk to him forever and ever and we can talk to him for a thousand years and as the old preacher Barry Smith used to say, talk to me for a thousand years in heaven and I'll say, go on. Because <laughs> eternity is timeless and our time here is short and no one knows how long we've got. So seek after him, seek his words, seek his face, seek his presence. We're doing something at Bridge City Church, which is, it's something that God has really laid on my heart, having altars open and, and entering into a greater degree of worship because it's to, to, to come into the presence of God 
which you cannot compare to anything else in the world. It's coming into his presence and worshipping him and getting filled up with him so that we can go out and be ambassadors and be ministers of reconciliation in our workplace and in our marketplace. You see, we'll always benefit from great fellowship with each other. But nothing compares to the fellowship that we have with Jesus. And every one of us is responsible for our own life. Matthew 12, 36. Every man must give an account of his life. The bride has made herself ready. How am I going for time? Do you want me to be quiet yet? The bride has made herself ready. Revelation 19, 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Now the glorified church is the bride of Christ. The NIV version says the bride uh, and we know that Israel is the wife when we look at, at the theology of it all. So it's getting our own oil and it's our responsibility to be feel, filled with more and more of what God wants to fill. You know, when you go out and you give of yourself and you minister, you come home and you can be drained and getting into God's presence saying, Lord, I need more of you. Lord, I need more of you. Fill me. And he does. He does. And it's like putting the Spirit of God just ministering to us and filling us to overflowing so that we, we are ministering out of the abundance, not out of the lack. It's praying. Husbands and wives, pray with each other. Pray for each other. Take that time. And I know when we first got saved, my husband and I, it was one of the biggest battlegrounds that we had to face was praying for each other and spending time in prayer every morning. And this was before we went to a Bible college because the minute that we'd say, right, let's go and have prayer time, right, then the kids would start <laughs> or the phone would ring or something would boil over and or there'd be a mess or whatever. So things will always get in the way of you praying together but make it a priority before you even get out of bed in the morning pray for each other pray for your day and pray that God will use you and fill you and give you that joy that you need uh, in the seasons of life that we're in because <coughs> the harvest is white and it's ready and are we ready ready get set settle those things in your heart pick up the cross which God has given you Pick up those gifts and talents that God has given you. And he hasn't given them to you just for you to be blessed. He's given those gifts and talents to you for the body of Christ to be used for his glory. Amen. Just like a bride in the natural. Do you know in the days of King Xerxes in Esther, talk about brides getting themselves ready. Esther uh, chapter 2, verse 3. They sent Esther away to prepare for her bridegroom. Guess how long the preparation took? 12 months. 12 months. 12 months of beauty preparation. Six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfume and preparations. How do we go with our two-minute shower and the quick deodorant and spray in the morning, hey? <laughs> Get ourselves ready. Get ourselves ready. How much trouble do we go to in our minds, setting our minds 
to get into the presence of God. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a discipline. And that's where some of the cost comes in as well. And sometimes we've got to let go of things that break through in the intimacy of the relationship that we have with our bridegroom. But that's between you and God. And God will show you. What has God called you to do? And what are you doing? Are you using what he's given you? Are you tired? So the end times are closer than ever. We're a day closer. We're living in those times, unprecedented times, where we're seeing the rise of incredible darkness in the world. But when the dark gets darker, the light gets lighter. So much more. We need our lamps full so that we can shine in the darkness. Restored and healed and settled in our minds and hearts. Yes, we're about this journey with Jesus and it's worth it. It's not negotiable. Everything for Jesus. It's easy for me to say that. Because he's all I have. And it's not. I say that with joy. Because there's no end to him. And he doesn't have favourites. And I know how much you are loved by God. So press into him. Get yourself ready. Settle in your heart. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all those other things will be added unto you. Settle it in your soul. So watch. How close is your midnight? How close are you to that time where God's going to say, come on, let's go for it now. How close are you ready? Are you ready? And are you set to go and make disciples and preach the gospel and love your world with the love of God? Laying aside every weight that hinders us so that we can run with endurance the race set before us. See, the enemy will try and blind our eyes and make us complacent and think, oh, we've got plenty of time for that. You don't know how long each one of us has. Don't wait. Make your preparations now. Get ready. Redeem the time. And let nothing stop you from entering into that fullness of him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. And Lord, I know that scripture was for Israel, Father, but the truths that you've shown me through this passage of scripture to be ready, to be set and ready to go, Father God. Lord, you've just impacted me even to a fresher degree, Father God, with the power of your word, Lord. 
And I just pray for my brothers and sisters and those that are listening online today. Father God, that you would just minister to them by the power of your spirit, Lord God, that we can, Lord, have that fullness, Lord God, be full of your oil, be full and have our light so shining and be ready and watching and waiting for you as you come, Lord. But the instance that we we are really pressing into now is the, the, the power of today, that we can be ready today, Lord God, that we can make a choice today to lay aside those weights that would hinder us, to cut off those things that are preventing us from moving into all that you have for us, that are, that are weighing us down, making us tired, making us discontent, making us feel, Lord God, like it's too late for us. Lord, I thank you that it's never too late for us, that it begins with a decision. It begins with a decision to say yes to you today. Yes, Lord, I will. Lord, I pray right now that anyone in this place or listening online who has that sense of urgency in their spirits or know that they've dropped their oil down to half full, Father God, I pray you would minister to each and every one today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we would be full with you, Lord God, that we would be watching for you, Lord God. We would be waiting for that midnight hour, but in the meantime, we would be seeking you with all our hearts and our souls, our mind and our strength. And Lord God, we would be looking out for the things that you want to do in us and through us, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that we would not be sleepy, that we would make ourselves ready, that we would get full, that we would get set and ready to go and preach the gospel and serve however you have asked each one of us to do, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, for a revelation for everyone, for the urgency of the hour that we are now living in, that we would understand. But Lord, for those that haven't even begun a walk with you now, I thank you that your word says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Father, for those who want to receive Jesus today as Saviour and Lord, that we would reach out to you now and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me in my place. I believe you shed your sinless blood to pay the price of my sin. I ask you now to be my Lord, to be my Saviour. I ask you now to take my life and make me what you want me to be. I hand to you my heart and say, fill me, Lord God. Fill me, heal me, minister to me that I might be full of you and walk the life that you have for me. I commit my life into your hands now in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to resource you. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.